Go. When you put a cranberry in the sun, it turns into a crazon. A tacky white person from the south gets married at a plantation. In Clueless, Alicia Silverstone said Hadian, but she meant Haitian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. In the White House, Woodrow Wilson screened birth of a nation. Oh, nice. Oh, God. That can't be the one we end- ended on. Um, a better uplifting one. When you sing a song slightly off the beat, that's syncopation. There we go. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. And welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on the motherfucking bass guitar, the fucking legend, it's Flea. Yes. Yes, today we are going to be talking about the absolute god of bass who has anchored the Red Hot Chili Peppers since the early 80s, playing on over a dozen albums, touring the world many, many times, uh, blending that signature style of funk and rock that is the cornerstone Mm. of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Undisputably, one of the biggest bands ever. Yeah. At this point, it's safe to say, right? I'll say it. You'll say it? Yeah. And so today we are going to be talking everything about Flea, up to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Through his memoir, which is called... Acid for the Children. Acid for the Children. Wow, what a great memoir title. Great title. Great title. Hi, Molly. Hi. It's been a minute since we've done one of these. I know. We're on kind of a staggered timeline at this point. It's, it's, it's gotten The show has matured to the point that it's when we feel like it, you know? We got nothing left to prove. We've got nothing left to prove. Other than the love in our hearts. We do it for each other and we do it for the fans. Yeah. But here we are back again. Another episode. Mm-hmm. Flea. Yes. Molly, it's Flea. It's How do you flea. feel about Flea? Oh, my God. Well, I really... Th- this... It, since this book was released, which I think was 2019, mm-hmm. I'd had it in the 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 mind's eye of the back pocket of wanting to do it, <laughs> but then it was solidified because I did just see Red Hot Chili Peppers play at MetLife Stadium. Yes, you have communed with the Peps. You have become one with the Peps. Yes, I was very tragically unable to make this show because I, I basically had to choose which week I would be in LA to record my uh, German history podcast. Yeah, uh, and it was either going to be missing. Uh, Gaga and Rage Against the Machine one week or Red Hot Chili Peppers the next. So I had to go for the uh, the week that I missed one instead of the week that I it missed It was a numbers two. game, yeah. yeah. So you, and you you know, you know went to LA, which is yes. almost like listening to the Red Hot Chili it's Peppers basically live. Like visiting Los Angeles is like going to a Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, concert. I said, okay, uh, is this immediately a, a silly thing to say? Sometimes if, you dr- if you're driving through kind of like just the middle of LA, like <laughs> on the streets... I'm like, yeah, this is like a red hot chili peppers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're going through like an anonymous section of LA where you're just seeing just like flat. those like California style buildings yeah. go through some graffiti, some like light commercial area, but weird it's like people kind of walking on the yeah, sidewalk, yeah. and you're just like, yeah, this is the this is the rhythm of the of yeah. the city of angels. Hollywood, that's a vibe. It's a vibe. So you heard of Hollywood. Like, you know, when they say Hollywood, you're like, yeah, whatever. But then you go to go Hollywood, to Hollywood and you're, you're like, like, oh, my God. It is kind of like a freaky place. Yes, it is. 
You gotta uh, ride that paisley dragon through the Hollywood Hills. When you put your hands in those handprints, the handprint touches back, exactly, if you know what I exactly, mean. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of shocking that this is the on, only the second time that we've touched on the peps on this show, yeah. and that the first time was in 2017. It was like yeah. our fifth episode. We did Ketis' memoir. Wow. Oh, right. And we did it with uh, with, Nathan, with our, Nathan, our LA correspondent. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a million years ago. And I, I feel like we've both grown as people since then. Yes, but... Yeah, and and yet, yet, not at all. Not at all. The, the, the My approach to the peps has roughly stayed the same, if not just gotten bolder. Yeah. Well, so I, I saw them. That the, okay, the yeah, reason I was the inspired. Yes, yes, the vi- yes, yes. the vibe report is you know Red Hot Chili Peppers live is just fucking phenomenal. I mean I don't I don't even know what to say. They've they've got they've got the they've got the sauce. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that when a band has been together that long, you do just get to play together in a way that is so effortless that you can then add on top of what you already have. Yeah, they spent. I swear to God, there was like twenty percent of the show was improvised jazz funk rock jams. That sounds so good. Including one so, where like Chad Smith took a break from drumming. And then just like and the the, it was just a guitar just like, bass thing. That sounds so good. It was like to me that was actually in some ways more exciting than the songs that I knew so, some of them that I knew so well. Was it that like every song was you know, like seven minutes long? Or was it more like you got the song in and then in between there was in just between, like extended like amorphous yeah. just like little funk jams yeah and that that i was like you know da- dancing my uh my ass off to it yeah, was like I, it was all good the those sweet little interplays of those like climbing melodic bass lines and frusciante's like sad soulful but still like ripping up beat guitar yeah and then what would uh keeds do while they were doing like the instrumental stuff would he just like hop around hop around i feel like he wasn't keeds was not like going full send 100% of the time, but the man is in his late 50s, 59, 58. Yes. So like, I understand. Uh, I I can't do full send <laughs> dancing around for two hours uh, in and my I, early 30s. And you're not 30s. a professional rock and I'm not musician. a professional rock musician. So like, I, I understand that he needed to like sa- save a little bit, but he was still perfectly energized and he was also uh, ripped. Um, they're all ripped. Yes. Well, Frusciante... Does not take his shirt does off. Does not take his shirt off. And Chad doesn't take his shirt off. Um... He but wears like a sleeveless button-up sleeve, or something. Like a, kind of, yeah, kind of like a sleeveless vest. Uh, yeah, Frusciante was insane. Just like made me remember again why like guitar is cool. Mm-hmm. That if you just like noodle on it, that's fucking cool. But Flea was amazing. Like Flea would not. I was saying to you earlier that like there should have been a Flea cam. Yes. There should have been a portion of the Jumbotron that just had a constant Flea feed. Feed of Flea because he was doing something every... Every minute he was doing something different. He was constantly moving, headbanging. He wa- at one point near the end, he came out on stage without his bass, walking on his hands across oh the stage with his uh his kilt flying over his head. Yes, he was wearing some kind of s- architectural Wait, Did you skirt. see any of their dicks? No. They they do They're not too old to show their not. dicks. Okay. I think at this point. Uh yeah, I mean That's the VIP meet and greet. Just <laughs> they come out in the socks. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> you get a picture. They're all maniacs and those bass lines that Flea plays are outrageous. Crazy, yeah. And to play and to pl- be playing those without even thinking about it yeah. is the vibe that I'm getting, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's your earliest memory encountering the idea of Flea? 
Um, that's a good question. I think probably I was aware of the Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was a kid because my dad did have all of the like. Your dad was a Rolling Stone head. He was magazine. a Rolling Stone head. The magazine, so he got every um every important Red Hot Chili Peppers album. I think. I was aware of Flea maybe once I started more watching music television like MTV VH1. Um, and then I was like, oh, yeah, there's a guy. I think it was the most evocative thing was I was like, his name is Flea. His name is Flea. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, I mean, I remember when I was first kind of introduced to the concept of the Red Hot Chili Peppers through my buddy Carter mm. uh, in oh, Carter. middle school, <laughs> high school, who was more than he was interested in the music of them. He was kind of interested in like the idea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And we watched like... He's, I'm sure on the Anthony Kiedis episode, I talk about this. We watched like the Funky Monks documentary where they're all living in the mm-hmm. house and recording Blood Sugar Sex Magic um, with Rick Rubin and everything. And yeah, I, the, the idea of Flea of like this rock and roll bass jester. Yeah, an and, important basis. An important basis, but also like merged with the idea of the bass in the rock band as kind of consummately the joke role. Yeah. Like, the singer is the serious, soulful one. The drummer is like the taciturn, like often like brute in the back who just mm-hmm. lives to drum. The guitarist is like the mystical, the artiste. like artis- artisanal god, and then the bassist is the clown. He's, He's the clown, clown. Of the, the funky clown of the of the rock and roll band. A groove, a groove is inherently clownish, which you know, <laughs> if you think about it, which you know is not always true, but I think that that is like the the kind of the kind of archetype and nobody embodies that more than flea you know he he crystallizes a, a stereotype while you know blasting through it he creates a dichotomy where you, uh, after post flea in a post flea world you as a bassist are either a flea type or a non a non flea yes, exactly i was gonna say of course clown music if you think of clown music what's the first thing that kicks in it's the bass bump 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 you're right. Yeah, it's a it's a clown based yes. uh, or or And then I got a, like I learned a little more. I mean, I'm trying to remember all the flea anecdotes. Like uh, I always re- liked hearing that he, when he won a Grammy, he gave it to his daughter to play with in there as a shovel in their her sandbox. That's the, I think that's the right move for a statue. All right, I feel should like we, we should get, get into, into it the, because yes. flea's book. I'll do a little pre- uh, preface and then we can get into all this flea. As you said in the intro, uh, this book, which I actually did not realize until I started reading it. I was like, wow, we're like, th- I'm 30% of the did way through. Did you not realize it until you finished reading it? Not, no. <laughs> I was, well, I was like, this is like quite a long time to spend when you haven't even gotten to high school yet. And I was like, oh, it's a childhood memoir, which I, th- I think it was good, actually, because so much stuff happened to him and he has such a rich imagination also that it worked. Uh, this book is amazing. He, stylistically, um, voice-wise, like, he's just so flea. He's so free in his expression. Like, there's a lot of all caps. There's a lot of uh, uh, multiple uh, letters, like, repeated letters, exclamation points, non-sequiturs, veering into, like, writing scripts for, like, Hollywood scripts. Okay, great. Uh, It's a a very, I I would say, like, kind of postmodern memoir, but it's powered by enthusiasm. Like, He's feeling it. He's he's not you're, he's not phoning it in. But it's also not like just it's not, f- not weirdly edited like the uh, Sebastian Bach memoir. No, it's it's got wh- whoever his editor was 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 good. Um, but yeah, so, some he's still it's still in a picaresque style where like there's one time where he was just a chapter being like 
They fucking invented the Sony Walkman. <laughs> that shit's crazy. I'm like, you know what? That, that is, is crazy. crazy. Imagine walking around with your music for the first time. You before you had to wow. like be in a car or in a house, and then did you, you ever have walk a, uh, a cassette player? My mom did. My first portable music player was a Discman. I remember being at Cincinnati Kings Island and having a uh, cassette player, and I believe the one of the cassettes that I had was this was when I was. Quite, quite young. One of my first memories of mobile music was having mm. a cassette tape of the soundtrack to The Lion King. I had that, I had that tape as well. Uh, Listen to it in the car. And I, of course, fast forwarded through all the uh, long, slow songs because I just wanted to hear the bops. The uh, Just Can't Wait, just to, be can't wait King, to Be King, Be Prepared, and Akuna Matata. Just like going through all those over and yeah. over. Do not care about Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Do not care about uh, Nas Benoit. Oh, I mean, see, that that to me is just fucking epic, but I understand. Uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight revisiting now is pretty pretty mid, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great for a Disney movie. Anyway, Walkman. Anyway, this book. Yes, Flea. So, like, yeah, he he's uh, prone to tangents and uh, uh, weird spirals, but it all feels of of a piece of of Flea. But let's get into the life of Flea. A piece of Flea. A piece of Flea. Uh, the first sentence of this book is Ethiopia. I yearn for you. I aspire. <laughs> I aspire to you to feel you again, reminding me who I am and what I am for. Uh, he describes going there on a trip in 2010 and like jamming, w- like listening to uh, musicians like jam okay. uh, and him crying at this jam. And then him saying, uh, tears are not a sad or happy thing. They mean you care. I'm a wimp who cries, too. So be it. We, before we start, we just watched a Good Morning America bit with Flea where the first thing he says is that he cries all the time. Which I'm like, I've. Oh, I should have looked up his uh, astrological chart. That's really not, it do, doesn't have much oh, to do with do this, uh, what, what this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also says near the beginning, he says, all my life has been a search for my highest self and a journey to the depths of spirit. I have no choice but to let the wild inhaling and exhaling of the gods, three Zs, <laughs> push me relentlessly ahead and to always surrender, come what may, to, do, to the divine and cosmic rhythm on and on to the break of dawn, Boom bap, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, bap. Wow. Uh, so already I'm getting kind of getting a taste of the You're tone of, vibes, the, right? of, the, of the book, which is it seems fairly like stream of conscious, but uh, heavy. Yeah, <laughs> just it's yeah, it's just feeling. I have to say it it did stand apart in that most I feel like most music memoirs the thing the thing people talk about is like I love music and creating music for my fans and I love like you know the that relationship and he's just like I'm I I'm trying the to find energy like, and rhythm of the universe of the universe and how that relates to me and I'm like I to me I vibe with that a little bit more even though I don't you know play bass or he's, he's like dealing on higher frequencies than just the uh, vibration of a bass string yeah yeah <laughs> low low end high vibes <laughs> low end high frequency um, okay, so he was born Michael Peter Balsery, Balsery. Sorry, I just I looked at Balsery in Melbourne, Australia. He's Australian. He's technically Australian. Oh man, that uh, that honestly is not surprising at all. Yeah, he, right. Doesn't he kind of seem like a creature that came from Australia? There was something weird <laughs> in Australia in like the mid twentieth century. Was definitely churning out weird, like creative weirdos at a. Like punching way above its weight class. Yeah. So, uh, born okay, October sixteenth, nineteen sixty two, which I think makes him a Libra sun. He is a Libra sun, uh, moon and Taurus. What does AS mean? Ascendant, like rising. Sagittarius. Mm, this okay. Got it. 
there's also this weird, it seems like there's kind of like a British shift. It, like his grandmother was a Brit who moved to Australia. Okay. It's not like, yeah, it, he's not like a like generations deep Australian, but okay. he's kind of like a British Australian. Itinerant Anglo. Um, he says to him, Australia uplifts and intoxicates him. Uh, he's, quote, always alert that I could be killed by some kind of spider snake monster, unquote. I mean, that's, but, the, that's the line on Australia. But uh, he thinks that the energy there is haunted uh, due to all the aboriginal violence. Also true. Yep. Um, his dad gets an assignment uh, to work at the Australian consulate in New York when Flea is five. Flea also has an older sister, uh, Karen. Karen with a Y. Karen. Wow, a, v- a very... Karen early spelling of the uh, the Y version of a name. Yeah. You know? uh, Flea describes his sister as me with a wig. <laughs> like they're they're <laughs> close, but, uh, you know. I'm imagining them just bouncing their entire childhood. Yeah. Uh, so they moved to New York. They moved to Rye, New York. So they're in like... Uh, up, yes, Don uh, Draper Town. Yeah, Don Draper Town, kind of Tony suburb, as it were. Uh, Flea describes his father as hardworking, intelligent, and kind, but also occasionally mean-spirited. Like he's it, basically like he's got yeah, a dad who is very, uh, you know, strong-willed, but um, maybe a little bit emotionally not Reserve. what he should be for a kid. He says a father should be a sanctuary for a child. When the rage came out, I lost touch with my own beauty. <laughs> and then his mother is a very touchy feeling memoir. What he says of his mom, he said she never just ne- never did understand or relate to children. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's got like he's got a funky relationship with his parents. Um, he just, it's funny uh, picturing that like pinched that that pinched reserve. I mean, it's you know what it is is that they are British people who lived in Australia. Australia, yeah. Because it's funny thinking of that like pinched reserved uh, like steely Britishism, but through Australian people who I generally consider to be uh, rock and roll party animals. Yeah. There's also something to, you know, be, he was born in 1962. I, there's gotta be a, a bigger sociological way to describe this, but like maybe of the la- maybe he's part of the last generation of women who had kids because they had to and not because they wanted to. Yeah. And so you might be like, okay, I'm going to have kids due to society, but I don't have to like them. Children can be seen and not heard. Yes, I'll send exactly. them to the the Milford School. I mean, that is like sociologically a wild trajectory of being like his grandmother was British, mm-hmm. moved to Australia. I don't know if it's his grandmother or his dad or not, but you know, it's like within a span of what? What is that? Like twenty five years, thirty years? You're taking your the your origin from Britain to Rye, New York. Yeah, to Britain yeah. to Australia to Rye. Yeah, yeah. so. That's already it, pretty intense. It's already you're 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 going through like one of those stargates where you keep passing through different filters, mm-hmm. getting probably amplifying the weirdness yeah. and stripping away any sense of uh, I don't know community warmth, home hearth. Well, you, you just wait and see. So okay. they get their their his parents get divorced. His father goes back to Australia. Okay, and his mom moves in with a new boyfriend who is a um, heavyset, greasy-haired jazz bassist named Walter. That's a, that guy sounds cool. He, I think he is cool, and he's uh, also not cool. Okay, at the same time. Uh, so yeah, da- dad goes back to Australia, gets married, uh, re- remarried, and has more kids. It seems like Flea is fine with that. He goes and visits him a couple times. Like Imagine that's all good. Flea's Australian half brother. <laughs> Um, okay, so Walter, Wal- so his mom basically 
goes from like middle class, respectable Australian housewife to yeah, now a wild jazz man junkie husband. Okay. Or a, a boyfriend. I'm not sure if they actually ever get married. Partner. A uh, partner. So they they move in with him and Walter. He plays bass. That's Flea's you know early influence of seeing someone playing bass. And he says he uh, he plays bass with a primal intensity. Uh, and he hosts groovy jams at his house with lots of people coming in and out. With lots of jazz style individuals. And Flea, Flea, Flea listens to it and he says, I'm in an ecstatic trance and I've never ever dreamed that something could feel this good. <laughs> um, but the other side of Walter is that he's a drug addict and a drunk who'd never have it together enough to live his dreams. So he's mm. like a very talented guy with like... And, he, and he's hooked into the scene. He's hooked into the scene, but he kind of it sounds like he has some mental illness issues as well so he this kind of plays out to be more and more disruptive in Flea's childhood until he eventually ends up in AA but he goes from a very like stable home to an extremely unstable home and he's ba basically from the time that he's like 11 12 years old he's like le he's not parentally supervised at all can you imagine being 12 years old and your parents basically just stop paying attention to you what would you have done <laughs> honestly probably a lot of the same shit that I tried to do uh hang out watch tv uh read the stuff that i wanted to yeah i was very much a kid that they, that was like let me cook let me cook and let him cook all the other shit that they made me i would have done way less homework is the thing yeah but in the end all that homework i did in high school relatively unimportant i would say flea would probably say the same thing yeah so and Flea's perspective on this, he says that he has gratitude about how it went down with his parents, but at the same time... He, <laughs> how it went down with How it went down. I mean, just the fact that you're referring to how to your relationship with your parents with how it went down, yeah. it says volumes. Yeah. You know? it's, I mean, I think, he, you know, he's never said that he, like, went to therapy, but he, it's giving went to therapy vibes. I mean, just the fact that he says that he cries all the time, yeah. to me implies, like, he has probably talked to somebody about this. Yeah. And so, he, you know, he... Are they still living in Rye when she's with this Jasmine? So they, they eventually move, but they're in, in Rye for the time being. Or they, yeah. I think they were moved to a town over, but they're still in the general zone. Um, but at the same time, he says, at the time, I was hurt and needed some kind of guidance and nurturing, but didn't know it. Um, but he enjoys his new lack of supervision uh, in his childhood. So he, you know, he's talking about how he loves to read. He has got a great imagination. He says he has, he spends hours with imaginary friends and he, that is God speaking to me. <laughs> um, he loves Christmas. He says in the days leading up to Christmas, I was a buzzing and a tingling. <laughs> um, he also is encountering things like, uh, people being racist, uh, against black people and him being like, that sucks. Uh, why are you being racist? Also, uh, he thinks hippies are full of shit. <laughs> How many memoirs have we encountered that involve people growing up in the greater New York City area noticing people being racist? I'm not. I'm not sure. I feel like that. That's a, a pretty yeah. common theme. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking Mariah Carey. Well, yeah. I mean, that's she was experiencing racism. That. But I know. I think one that I've read that we never did for my long-awaited mm -hmm. kiss, uh, Rashomon, mm -hmm. the Peter Chris memoir. He also talks about that. Growing up in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, noticing that. I mean, we just, we recently well, I, talked about uh, Peter Steele yes, typo Peter negative, Steele. which, I would, you know, there's a fl flirtatious relationship with uh, be, being racist or racism. I feel like, it, I do think that there is something about New York in particular that engenders, in, especially in like the, you know, if you were born in like the six, 50s or 60s for white people, like noticing racism and mm -hmm. being like, 
Why? Why? I don't know. Especially among the people who become musicians. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's something I've yeah. noticed. But Flea, Flea notices it and he's not a fan. <laughs> uh, so then he's, he's kind of having this like maybe a little bit more idyllic, innocent childhood. And then he starts to get a bit naughty. Uh, and for example, he starts stealing things. He uh, shoplifts and mm. uh, g- grabs things from other people. Uh, and the way he describes shoplifting, he says, a confused pain muddied me up on the inside as a result of being a morally challenged person. <laughs> Which, uh, like, I... Sounds like he's a cop making a, uh, a uh, you know, arrest report on himself. He, like... He's talking, which uh, to me, he describes in a way that like makes perfect sense. He also talks about, he starts like kind of swearing and making bombastic outbursts uh, because he says, when I was freaking people out, I felt joyful and free, delight and glee. If you don't have like any kind of structure in your life, mm-hmm. then what what are you going to do but test the structure that exists like yeah. on the outside yeah, of it? Yeah, no, that makes sense. If you don't know what the boundaries are, then you are complete, you're, you're, sense of boundaries is completely skewed right. and we do live in a society. We do live in a society. Uh, as much as I wish we did. the base joker. Yeah. Okay, so th- that's his life in New York. Uh, Walter uh, needs to move to LA for his career. Um, <laughs> so they move to LA when he's 12 years old. Uh, he opens the LA chapter of his life in the book by describing breaking into a diner with boys that he quote ran the street with. <laughs> so he he moves to LA and immediately he's like the the streets are meaner than New York. Like he describes getting like a twenty five cents and he like goes to the store and he buys some uh, strawberry crush soda, which he describes as zingy and explosive. <laughs> and then some older kids come through and they're like shake him down for money and he's like oh ah like okay this the the streets are a bit harder than i was used to i gotta like adapt <laughs> they're taking my soda money how, how about this flea moves to la 12 years old ha- meet some neighbor kids they tell him uh we could go see a man around the corner who'd give us five dollars to rub his dick whoa and then you start I mean, then they they pitch this to flea and then in the middle of the pitch they start fighting with each other and it gets like ugly and bloody over who's going to rub the dick or like just wh- whether that's a good idea or not. And <laughs> Flea says, this is just an iconic flea sentence. I was freaked out by their animal behavior and completely against meeting the $5 penis man. But I, <laughs> but I was still grateful to have a couple of friends. <laughs> I do be like that. Um, he also said, this is where you ever have a friend like that in like middle school where you're like, I don't like hanging out with this person. I don't like what they do or talk about. I don't like their vibe. I don't like uh, anything about this interaction, but I am still grateful to have somebody to better than nobody. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah there's definitely it, there were girls like in middle school who were definitely more advanced. I'm sp- specifically thinking of um, Katie, Katie J, who taught me what a blowjob was. It's not blowing on it. <laughs> Learn that. Uh, uh, Deceptively. Finally. <laughs> um, yeah. Where I'm just like, ah, you make me nervous <laughs> because we're on a different level, but better hanging out with you than nobody at all. I definitely had a few friends who, during that time, who my entire relationship was going over to their house on Friday night and watching them play video games for like seven hours. Yeah, you gotta get, run that gauntlet. Yeah. yeah. But it's what else would I, am I going to be doing? Yeah. Right. At least they tolerate me hanging around. Yeah. That I'm b- better here than not here. Uh, yeah, so Flea doesn't visit the $5 penis man. 
Um, <laughs> the five dollar penis man. I'm surprised there's not a Red Hot Chili Peppers song called the five dollar penis man. Five dollar penis man. You could like on the one of their earliest uh, earlier records, like the you know self titled uh, along with like right after police he- helicopters. Like you gotta see, you gotta see the five dollar penis, penis man. man. The five dollar <laughs> penis man. Honestly, I could I can hear it. In this era, Flea says, I stayed out all night, went where I wanted. He's and 12. He's 12 years old. He's a baby. <laughs> went where I wanted and did as I pleased. I woke every day. <laughs> I ate as much candy as I could <laughs> buy for my allowance. I woke each day ready to go all in, feeling like I had something beautiful to offer. So he goes to middle school. Middle school is right in the middle of Hollywood. He says, like, did he go to the that Hollywood school? Oh, uh, I don't you know I don't have he, the name handy and I don't know what you're talking about. But sure, yeah, you, you know that. It's like a, a public school in the middle of okay. Hollywood that a lot of people went to. So he's surrounded by, you know, the chaos of sure. Hollywood prostitutes, uh, you know, uh, gangbangers, uh, drug sellers, all accessible yeah, yeah. within his school. Uh, he he and, you know, he's he smokes weed when he's 12 for the first time. He's uh, he continues like stealing uh, with his friends, including try, he says he tried to steal a purse from an old lady. Oh God! And the old lady like <laughs> held onto the purse and started screaming for help. So he says, "I wanted to be good so bad, but my moral compass was just so damn wacky." <laughs> like he, I think, I I under, I think it's a ex- exemplary that he's a good enough writer that I understood exactly what he meant when he's just like. I don't know. Everyone else is doing it, and no one told me not to do it. And I'm I'm aware of it as like a trope of like, yeah, you can steal an old lady's purse, and like no big yeah. like, and then you steal it, and like whatever, she'll get like a new purse, and then he actually does it, and he's like, this oh god, this doesn't feel good. good. Yeah, but I still don't have anyone telling me it's wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is a good. This is an interesting portrayal of like a true boundaryless child a, a, you know? a street rat also the ki- the kind of kid that like he's like an urchin yeah he, he is an he's urchin like a modern urchin yeah yes i mean but that's also kind of like the cauldron that you need to brew a flea yeah you know totally um he he said he goes to school and he never had any chance of being cool or popular but he kind of dug it <laughs> and so like there were you know there were much more mainstream like he he regales us with one story of like a classmate wrote sticks on his notebook, like the like the the band, uh, the band and he did it too, not knowing what sticks was, <laughs> just being like, yeah, the sticks. Like he I just, mean, look, if you're like an eighth, eighth or ninth grader, you see somebody write sticks, S T Y X. That's a cool arrangement of letters. It is cool, yeah. And uh, and you see them in like harsh font with like slashes and stuff. Yeah. You're like, damn, that sounds cool. cool. All the all the band names of this time. Have we ever talked about sticks at all in this podcast? I don't know anything about them specifically. Uh, I will say I'm kind of a big fan of sticks. I think that they have a few great, truly great songs. Uh, Come Sail Away, obviously, Renegade, um, a few others. And I will say that I saw them in high school at the Blue Ash, Ohio, Fourth uh, of July music festival. It's just like the band that my community booked to play like Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were so fucking good. Wow. Like just absolute pros delivered an amazing fucking show. Uh, the keyboardist who's like the lead singer had his keyboard on a 360 rotational pedestal. Great. So he could walk like it, the keyboard was mounted in the center. And he could just walk around in the circle while playing keyboard lines. Uh, they had one of those, uh, um, uh, uh, platforms so the guitarist could walk over and above the drums while playing solos. Wow. 
no. You, okay. Like the catwalk platform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, the, the joke about Six is that they have one of the corniest songs of all time in Mr. Roboto. They did a medley where they said, and now we're going to play 40 stick songs in four minutes uh-huh. and just played like burnt through snippets of all their B-sides <laughs> and, uh, and uh, like, you know, lesser songs. And right in the middle of it, they just stopped and went, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, and then kept going. And that yeah. was the only time they played Mr. Roboto. It was a fucking great show. I wow. remember loving it. And that sounds self-aware in a way. Yeah, they being, they yeah. had even they were on like you know literally the um what you know the the the, the county fair circuit basically. Yeah. But they knew exactly what they were. They knew they had good songs. They knew they were good musicians, and they knew what was funny about them. Yeah, and just completely fucking delivered. Leaned into it, and I was like there as like you know like a, a fifteen year old is like yeah well it's Fourth of July this is a joke and I was like oh damn sticks yeah delivers just delivers yeah. Renegade, great song. I mean, be, you know, I'm sorry, being in the like 70s, that kind of rock band is like it's just so big that it's hard not to think yeah. is like it, they created their own aura. I don't know. You you can point at that shit all day and be like, it's corny and it's yeah, cringe yeah. and like you know it doesn't it blah blah blah. I'm like, uh, I don't know if you're if you're fucking 10 years old and you see that mm-hmm. that they they still rock. No, yeah, they. I mean, they're it's a good look. They're a good band. For a corn-fed American boy, for corn-fed, uh, which I wouldn't band. say that's what Flea is. <laughs> Flea is not a corn. Flea is a, uh, a like a, a chicken-fed uh, <laughs> scoundrel. A dr- he's kind of a he's he 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 gives off a geek vibes, not in the modern term of geek, mm. but like in the sideshow geek, yeah, like where you yeah. get paid to bite the head of a chicken. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he's a he's a freak. Yeah, I mean, it's a he, he basically he figures out early on that he draws. His internal compass is straight. Mm-hmm. Like he under, he understands what it, I think he understands what is right and wrong inside. But then he he draws energy from being weird by yes. swearing or by saying weird things. Well, getting a rise out of people. Getting a rise out of people. Uh, freaking people out. He and yes. he became a freak by freaking people out. So I understand. Anyway, I uh, thank you for indulging my sticks corner. Yeah, of course. This has been sticks. Sticks update. Yes. Flea. In this in this middle school time, he all caps loved to hoop. <laughs> loved to hoop. He's a basketball player. Um, he's he's really into basketball, and he also loves he likes sports, and he likes the Lakers. Uh, and he, he still likes- to this day, basically every time you see Flea off stage from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he's wearing a Lakers jersey. Yeah, uh, he loved to hoop, and then he takes up music. He tackles the king of instruments, not bass, trumpet. The king of... That's how he refers to it? The king of instruments. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm going to have to think of what I think the king of instruments is. I'll think about it, too. Um, he's, obsess- he's obsessed with jazz from his uh, father figure, Walter. Um, and, like, he, he goes in... I, I didn't get too geeky about it in the notes, but, like, he's he's clearly a, ja- a serious jazz head and references uh-huh. a lot of uh, jazz moments in life. That That's his whole thing. He says of playing Trump, he says, when I found that tone... All the discordant chaos within me was calmed. Uh, and then there's another anecdote around the si- same time in the book where he he's riding the bus at night in LA and a bunch of like real, like hard gangbangers get on the bus and start kind of like freaking people out because one of them is singing. They're specifically singing Parliament's Night of the Thumposaurus Peoples. Okay. By watching this, Flea says, I realized that music was a force that brought people together and gave them power. Should we play it? Yeah, sure. 
God, we've never talked about Parliament, have we? We really need not, to address not significantly George enough. Clinton at some point because he is one of the foundational artists. Find a, find a book or a podcast about words and right. no music. You're right. Is it great. Might, yeah, it might be a, a second before the you lyrics uh, kick in. It's just, this is a very funny <laughs> song for somebody to be singing. It's it's this is not a S tier Parliament song. I mean, they're yeah. all great, but this is like the fact that. Somebody walked onto the bus singing this and that we recognized it. Yeah. Very powerful confluence of recognizing Parliament deep cuts. Yeah. Oh, fuck, Parliament rips. Toward the end of Flea's middle school career, he decides to uh, be a good student for once. <laughs> he basically he, he says that, you know, he, he's God, interested. We're just at the end of his middle school I know. career. He, like, he likes to read and he's clearly got a curious mind. But he's, you know, has a trouble paying attention in class. Uh, but he's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill it. And he, for his like last year, he gets straight A's, and then he gets the most improved student award. <laughs> uh, and he says, I ended on a high note, probably like a high E flat at least. <laughs> uh, and then he goes to high school, uh, where he's, he's like, I, the other thing about Flea is he's a little guy. He's a little guy. He's just a little guy. He said he's like he describes himself as the runt several times. Like he is like he's the small. He says I'm the smallest guy in school. He is a little gremlin. And so he had like he says he's has some insecurity. Like he obviously has a sexual awakening with puberty, mm -hmm. and then he's like I have no idea how to pull this off because I am so little. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you gotta have a big charisma if you're very little, especially in high school. Yeah, and I feel like he he's like he's big, but it's with being weird, not with being like yeah. charming. Uh. And he, he's describing like moving on to high school. And at this per particular time in the 70s, he's like, he says he's surrounded by camel toes of cartoonish proportion. <laughs> like he's just describing what the like 70s like uh, vibes are of people uh, getting dressed and, and presenting themselves with just like hairspray and oh, yeah. the Dal Sassoon and, <laughs> and just like these high waisted jeans with like the camel just toe. Just like riding up all the way. Yeah. And he's like eye level and with he's it. Like, I, he's like, I love this so much, but also I have no idea what, what is happening. Uh, and when he goes to high school, something momentous occurs. Here's how he describes it. The two bull moose face each other eyes ablaze, the rest of the world disappearing. They charge crashing heads, entangling antlers, crackling rhythms, crack, crack a lack of back a lop. <laughs> and so it is with me and Anthony Kiedis. He encounters the Kids. Do you, do you remember this how is, he meets Anthony Kiedis for the first uh, time? No, I we talked about this like five years ago. Flea is like, he's joshing around with a guy and he's like, he's giving him a noogie some uh, like a mutual friend and then I think he just comes over and is like hey man don't do that and then they create an, an aura of mutual respect uh, after after meeting in, in that circumstance this true it's truly amazing I forgot that they met in high school they've been in high school high school buds they, they met when they were like what like 13 or 14 or yeah, something like, like that yeah 14 it is it is like 
like two elements that should create a molecule. Yeah, that's basically how he describes it. Yeah, it's like the obviously there are two products of like what it was like to be growing up in LA in like the 70s. Yeah. From both from non-Californiers because uh, Kiedis is a Michigan guy. Yep. Midwest. Fucking Flea is Australian. Yeah. Uh, but just like, like it, it is awe-inspiring that sometimes the universe throws two people together that are destined to be a dyad. Yeah. And need to be together. Yeah. And the, the, these two guys are like one of the most legendary creative pair. Honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think of like all of creative history in which two guys... Met that early, or like met that early, and have gone on so long at being both like a duo, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. Over the years, I mean, Chad Smith has been with them for a long, long time, mm-hmm. but it really is the creative energy and engine of Flea and Keeds. Yeah, that's yeah forever. Yeah, although for almost, also R.I.P. Hello Slovak. Who yeah, yes. I also think, but was he only part made it, it. I mean. Not to disparage it, but you know, he yeah. only made it. But like, he was foundational, but yeah, yes, he did not survive the eighties. And even before the band starts, like, what, what this must be like 75, 76 or something. They're yeah. almost fifty years. Yeah, right. Of of Flea and Kiedis, just like creating this bizarre, specific, and wildly successful energy together. It's it's amazing. I I, I don't I can't think of another. Uh, oh, who are those guys who wrote the musicals? The guys who wrote the musicals, yeah, uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. Yes, they're like they're, it's literally like that. It's okay. like Rogers and Hammerstein. Yeah, yeah, no, Flea I think Kiedis. Yeah, if if anyone can think of a a better, a longer, better longer, I mean that to even just thinking of watching their show where they're both pushing sixty and like just knowing that you saw each other when you were fourteen, like you saw each other's like fourteen yeah. year old selves. Yeah. That's pretty trippy. And you're still on stage. I recently saw... It's, it's nuclear fusion. Yeah. I mean, you you are basically literally describing the same way. That F- Flea says, uh, the energy that keeps us here is bigger than we understand. Yes. Like he said, he basically is... He describes their relationship with awe, awe, awe. about <laughs> how they managed to end up together. I feel awe about it. I, I Yeah. Again, I can't think of a, a longer, more fruitful dude-dude partnership. Yeah. But they're, they're the same, but different. Yes. Uh, he says, um, which I th- I think this is a, a perfect encapsulation of it. So like Flea's been describing himself kind of throughout the book as like, he feels like an outside, like he's always on the outside. He's never quite at ease. Yes. He's always a little, he's a weird, he's a freak. He's a creep. No, he's not a creep, but he's a weirdo. He is a weirdo. Uh, what yeah. the hell is he doing here? He's a clown. Yeah, he's a clown. And then he's a sensitive clown. Ketis is as well. Ketis is also a freak. <laughs> but doctor, I am Flea. But doctor, I am Flea. <laughs> uh, uh, Anthony lived with the same fear and separateness that kept me totally disengaged from the social process, but he was able to turn it inside out. So, mm-hmm. like, they're like goof, almost like goofeth and goofeth and gallant. Goofeth and goofeth. Goofeth. Uh, uh, is and goofeth? is Ketis goofus and flea gallant? I actually don't know. It's almost like goofus and goofus. Or Ketis is like he's also a freak. He's also a weirdo. But he turns that into an energy that like draws people toward him. And he's like, he's like not extrovert, introvert, because I actually think that's a false dichotomy. Uh, but like he, you know, flees like, oh my God, how do I talk to girls? I'm so weird. And Anthony Keys is like, I'm so weird. Let me talk to some girls. You know, I'm not like the other guys. I'm weird. I, I, I think it's fruitful that we're spending so much time on this because this is a powerful dynamic. He, you know, the only other dynamic that I could say I feel like uh, approximates it. Uh, Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O. 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Yeah. Where one's a little where they're bit like more both like the same energy, but one is a little more like outgoing and like the face. Yeah. And the other one is a little more inward and the body. Yeah. And I mean the body and like literally like the corpus. Like yeah. I like it, it, I'm, I'm like earthy and yeah. and and uh, oh, uh, that's of, a great of, of of like performance and stuff. I yeah. don't. Know, I don't know. I think I think that's a I think that's a great one. And what one is like I mean it's front front man basis. Yeah, I would it's say that's man I would say that's Johnny Knoxville Steve O. Yeah. Steve O is the basis. Yeah. You can't make the music without that dude. But you need the face and you, you need, need to put the bees on his dick <laughs> and balls. Put the bees on his dick. And then you have Johnny Knoxville whose face is signing the checks for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Although I also think Steve O is very handsome. I also think Flea is handsome in a in a strange way. Yeah. He's a magnetic presence. Yes. They're, anyway. they're, they're very similar. Yeah. They're same 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 yeah. but different a couple of freaks as uh flea says they're they literally become partners in crime they uh they're they get high together they find drugs together they jump off buildings together into pools anthony kiedis breaks his back at one point trying to do that uh they this to me is one of the most stunning things that's like to, to me it's two people who are clearly not from california that they hike into like the middle of the kind of mountainous desert of California with like paper grocery bags full of food <laughs> and like no like no no, no gear no uh, like sleeping bag like or anything a five can you a five day camping trip with where a, they're just paper bags paper bags and like street clothes and they just do that because they're just vibing on their own energy like they have the complete confidence that they're not going to die I think they spoke pot I think they brought weed in uh, there at that time so that's such a funny way to camp they camp make, with paper paper bags <laughs> crazy so they make this like cosmic connection and please says uh we just couldn't sit still without making some attempt to fuck with the sane world uh there is a incredible anecdote where flea is brought into the fold of anthony and his father who i think seeing uh anthony's dad blackie who mm -hmm. is an actor and uh, also a drug dealer. And also a drug dealer. And, you know, we know from uh, Scar Tissue that he, like, set up his son's, like, virginity loss um, yes. to a much older woman when he was very young. S some dynamics <laughs> See, now episode that five of uh, And Introducing see episode for five more details for possibly a different Ketis. take on it. But, like, now, now I'm just like, that is, I think you could look at that and just be like, okay, uh, let's bring it up. Jeanette McCurdy from the Nickelodeon show. Uh, she recently wrote a uh, memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, yeah. She she was emotionally and sexually abused by her mom in the service of her becoming a child star. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, I see parallels to yeah. Anthony Kiedis' whole thing that his father was not a, fa a father to him. Yeah. Uh, was someone who was putting him into adult situations when he shouldn't have been in them. Mm -hmm. That no kids should be in. Yes. Flea says Anthony and his father would hit the clubs sometimes matching, matching outfits. Oh, my God. Isn't oh that? Oh, my God. That's don't so you, weird. Doesn't that seem totally, like, manipulative and off to you that the father is using this cute son as a way for both of them to, like, get laid and get drunk? The 70s were. It's, it's, a it's different, wild how it's a different, time, different the 70s were. And it's were. a different moral compass. I get it. But it's hard to look at that now and not see that as something that is, like, capital w wrong imagine it walking like being in the club and encountering like a 40 year old guy with their like 14 year old kid dressed the same yeah you would immediately go to the man you know what it right? is it's like a cut scene from licorice pizza yes it is it really is it's a it's that's 70s la shit it's a different time that's not a bad idea for a vibe out movie is basically like a 
a movie, a licorice pizza style movie that's the Red Hot Chili Peppers from the boys meeting to starting the band. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, this, to me, Flea's Life, a movie, for sure. Yeah. A, a, weird, a coming of age, uh, 70s and, and yeah, early like 80s. But yeah, like style movie. and tone of, of licorice pizza. Yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe a little more like skeezy, druggy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Call so, Penelope Spears out of it, retirement. Let her direct that. Well, we'll, we'll get we'll get to her later. Is um, she in this? Yeah, of course she's in this. <sighs> she directed a movie that she cast Flea in, in in a bit. But Flea joins Kiedis and Father at um, a club called the Rainbow. Uh, he chugs. He says he chugs like a six pack or something before for like liquid courage. <laughs> Pre-game hits the club. Uh, gets he starts feeling sick. He barfs like everywhere. Like he manages to puke on like everyone Classic, and everything in the club. Yeah. Stumbles out into oh, the parking lot. Barfing in the club. Ugh, uh, in the club. It like has to like take off his like graduate his middle school graduation suit like a oh. corduroy suit. And he has to like take it off because it's covered oh, in barf. Poor baby flea. And then he says, "I return to the parking lot to find Anthony working his suave magic on a three nippled girl he liked." <laughs> angry with me for ruining his reputation at the rainbow i mean sure so like anthony's still got he's he's got something that flea doesn't have which is like confidence swag swag yeah Yeah. um then we have a chapter called a slovakian influence (laughs) (laughs) where they meet halal a a flea spy a flea spy novel the slovakian (laughs) slovakian influence so they meet halal also also goes their high school and he you, you know, immediately connects with him as well. And so he says, Anthony was the tough, handsome actor with a contrarian confidence. I was the shy, insecure, crazy one with the funky groove. And Hillel was the artist. Like he sees him as like, kind of like this, like artistic, sure. soulful poet type of guy. Um, and so Flea joins Hillel in his band, Anthem, uh, Anthem, A-N-T-H-Y-M. <laughs> so cool. to Look, it's the sixth thing. It's so cool to just put a fucking Y. A Y. Always works. Yeah. Uh, and then, and he, so he joins him in the band and Hillel asks him to play bass. He's like, do you, we need a new bassist. Do you want to yeah. play bass? And Flea says, in that moment, I felt completely loved. <laughs> and then he says, as soon as I picked up that bass, I was an animal. Well, kind of a poser at first, but underneath an animal. Three weeks after he picks up a bass for the first time, he's playing with Anthem on a stage uh, at a club in the Sunset Strip. Here's the thing about bass. The idea of a learning curve. Bass has a very low learning curve to be okay at it. Mm. Like you can Four learn, strings, you the can least learn amount of to play bass. Uh, um, what's his name from Sex Pistols? Uh, the the worst one. Oh. Um, I don't. I don't. Edit, edit don't this know. Out, edit this out, edit Sex this Pistols. Out, edit Johnny Ron. Edit this out. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious. Okay. Uh, Sid Vicious notoriously Malcolm McLaren. <laughs> Sid Vicious notoriously learned to play bass by just listening to a Ramones record overnight and just figuring it out. Yeah, and then like the next Down day strokes. he was on stage with the uh, Sex Pistols. Yeah, you can learn to play bass basically in a weekend. Yeah, and you and that can take you a pretty long way in like punk bands mm-hmm. and in alt rock bands, but to be great at it, then it has like a logarithmic arch to it yeah. you know I think uh, that's fair. after afterwards like yeah. there, there is a, a I mean that's what and I think that's one of the things that's great about it it's like it's like one of the for pure rock music it's like one of the lowest effort to re to reaction ratios mm-hmm. that you can get or I guess one of the highest ratios mm. uh, but 
then to be an expert, it can, it can be so much more. It, it's like it, like the, the the beauty of like really complex bass playing. Yeah, is so much fun. Yeah, but also you can be a fucking moron and pick it up and be good enough at it the next day. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best instrument. It's what it's it's so. Do you think uh, it's the king of instruments? I, I just I, I just love it as an idea. It is the most rock and roll instrument because yeah. for that very reason mm-hmm. is that you can pick it up and be good enough to get on stage the next day yeah. with a band or you can spend a lifetime turning it into like a beautiful melodic like expression of yeah. everything that is rock and roll music yeah. or jazz or whatever. Yeah. I think so that's, that's why I think it's the most rock and roll music uh, instrument. Yeah. I th- I think that's a great uh, analysis of it. Yeah, if you're just literally playing down, you know, like eighth Four, note down. The only your only limitation there is your like wrist tensile strength. Yeah, which hey, you've already probably been jacking off for six years. Exactly, exactly. It's the perfect instrument to pick up as a sixteen year old. Like masturbating, you'll love the bass. Exactly. 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 That's why it's great. Yep. All right. Well, and then you can join a fucking punk band. You can be a punk rock musician, a punk rocker. Yes, a punk rock god. <sighs> the uh, bass. I love the bass, folks. Folks, I love the bass. Folks, Chris loves the bass. Yes, Chris loves bass. Uh, the other thing in this era of Flea's artistic development is that he describes a night getting drunk and dancing to James Brown as sure. what like opens up his like movement that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he you know stops being he self-conscious started, he started doing body work he started doing body work which as I as I saw a couple weeks ago it is it, the body work is still there how high in his mid-50s do you think Flea can vertical jump his off the ground vertical jump was crazy he did it like many many times and I don't I don't I could not measure it because I can't measure anything with my like, eyes but it was it was nuts would you say over four feet I'd say at least definitely Five, over three yeah definitely over three did it was it enough to make it look like he was jumping and he probably did the leg retract thing higher than his yes. own height? Yeah, and he was doing that multiple times and uh, like not yeah. snapping his ACL. Wild. Well, again, drop the drop the physical drop the stretching routine. Drop the physical therapy routine. What does it take to keep uh, Flea's body in shape? This man doing yoga every day. What's I would love. Going on? I would love to see both he and Keeds, and honestly, Chad's like all of their. Regimes. I mean, that was the other crazy. This is a side <laughs> note. Chad, Chad was pounding it out for two hours. He took like two breaks, but other than that, he was put, like there is one run where I was just like, again, this man is. I think he is sixty. Yeah, and I was like, I cannot, I cannot believe he's drumming like a thirty year old. Though that's like when we saw Rage, and those guys are fucking amazing. They're pushing their mid fifties, mm-hmm. Rage Against the Machine. Uh. Like, it's their live show is only them. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on stage. It's the four guys fucking rocking out. I think they took maybe two breaks during their set, and it really was like, especially watching the drummer. The I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the Rage drummer, Rage Against the Machines drummer off yeah, the top of my head. Me neither. But just like watching him take his like literally ninety second or two minute break, where he like comes down and it's like a, a, like the the like a boxer corner man like comes in and like yeah. massages him and like cuts his eyelids yeah, and, yeah. And, and just like you can go in for another round <laughs> you got it in yet just I you gotta see. go in no, I you, can't see. no you got it just hit those toms <laughs> one more time come on go back in there <laughs> it really looked like that it yeah. looked like looked like a, a classic stick man coming out in a sponge down with a yeah. cold uh, you know, like a eucalyptus tin, uh, coming out no. from like a tin bucket with a sponge yeah. and just wiping him down you got it you got it in ya. yeah you can go another round. Don't give up. All right. So Flea, <laughs> Flea graduates from high school. 
and he's like, "All right, it's now. Now it's time to party for real." He <laughs> he moves in with he moves in with Anthony Kiedis, uh, and um, another roommate. And he says he and Kiedis uh, had a goal to have the craziest party ever in the history of Hollywood. <laughs> Imagine being like the normal guy who is like going to your internship, and you were living with Kiedis and uh, Flea, being like, "Come on, guys, remember to take out the trash on yeah. Mondays, and remember lights out weekdays yeah. by 11. Yeah. Um, he, so he's like, he's a hustler. He, he prides himself on being a hustler and he gets together random work to supplement his gigs. Um, he works at a vet's office at one point, uh, and like steals like weird, uh, animal medications. Like he's, he's being random. He also hangs out at like Hollywood clubs. He gets into punk rock, which is really starting to hit in LA. Not a big fan of hardcore. He's when, when the hardcore people come in, he's like, uh, all I'm seeing is uh, bad vibes and uh, excuses to beat people to a pulp in the pit uh, of uh, under the guise of, uh, you know, some kind of integrity uh, with yeah. rock music and fuck that. Um, he also, he finally figures out uh, the whole sex thing. It's a girlfriend <laughs> immediately starts uh, like uh, taking her for granted and cheating on her as you do when you're that age. He does cocaine for the first time at the age of 17. It's not long before he starts shooting the cocaine. Were you familiar with Flea's um, substance use at all? Like, had you I mean, heard? I, I, I knew and assumed that all the Chili Peppers guys were like at least coke, weed, ho- lots of liquor guys, if not heroin guys in the early to yeah. mid late 80s. And yeah. then Kiedis uh, and um, Frusciani later into the 90s. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I yeah, I, I think I was the same where I feel like I knew Flea partied, but I didn't know what to, to what extent. But he was a, that was his main thing. He he said he, he tried heroin, but he never quite got into it. And he didn't, he didn't like the vibe of heroin, which is, he's like, this is, you know. It's down. I need to be down. up. He's an up, he's an up guy. And he does say, I don't think I put it in my notes. Obviously, this book is called Acid for the Children. He has a lot of intense experiences on acid. And he says psychedelics are a great tool for your mind that can help kind of help you find your higher self, but also you don't need any of that shit and you can mm. do it without it. I've done it without it. Um, you know, basically be, be careful when you're doing these things. But uh, he he says, it would be darn near impossible to justify the wisdom of injecting a solution of cocaine and water directly into your veins. <laughs> and this is where he breaks into, like he writes a script uh, to show the process of like faking out having a boss who needs insulin and uh syringes at a pharmacy like this or like how he would obtain the how, to, how he would to obtain like rigs to like shoot coke this is where this must be shooting cocaine that's a that's kind of an elite i we don't you don't hear that much yeah you know obviously you hear about like speed balls which is mm-hmm. shooting coke and heroin yeah they're they're not, they're not a ton of coke shooters slash did it it's very. I think it's a very L.A. thing to do, yeah. and I don't think you would get the idea unless you saw someone else do it around yeah, exactly. you. It's, it's not, not something you come up with on your own. But it is funny that he he's, he kind of he gets I over feel, the nasal I feel, part. I, of I it. do. I, 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 the way that I'm processing it is like if you're around a bunch of people doing heroin mm-hmm. and shooting it. And you're like, well, downers aren't for me. But if everybody's shooting something, I guess I'll take the upper. It seems to like work. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm all about optimizing. So <laughs> it seems like it's working better to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he said he's geezing is the uh, verb for like shooting coke and like okay. being high on injected coke. And he says that he and Anthony Kiedis, when they do it, are Thelonious and Bartholomew Gizenslav, <laughs> the Gizenslav brothers. Um, he also. It, 
obviously with the speed of this stuff, it's not long before it kind of gets out of out of control or kind of like takes over his life and becomes the main point of his life. He shares an anecdote where he want they want to go on a trip, so they take an Amtrak train to uh, San Francisco from L.A. They don't have tickets, and so they're like, "We're going to just hang out in the bathroom." And then when the ticket collector comes back, we'll sit back down. But then if they get in the bathroom, we're like, well, while we're here, we might as well shoot all our coke. So they're on an Amtrak train with no ticket, shooting up and then get caught and then handcuffed and then kicked <sighs> off the train and like have to hitchhike. <laughs> like it's just, just like the logic. Cat Barnell, if anyone is a Cat Barnell fan, the writer called it amphetamine logic, yeah. which is like just, you know, when you're on speed things like mean things differently. And I think that's got it's co- cocaine logic is like, well, while we're in the bathroom, we might as well. We're in the bathroom avoiding the ticket. <laughs> it's just like, but, but it's also funny. Cause it's like, you're in the bathroom in an Amtrak and you're, I, I, I don't know. I always just process things. It's like, what is your experience after you get high is like, you're on a train. Like then you're just on a train with intravenous Coke high yeah. on a Amtrak. Yeah, that yeah, that's what well, they're illegally avoiding. The yeah, bad vibes all the way around. Yeah, definitely some just I mean, like not. I know when you're locked into a trip like that, you're not really like thinking about consequences or downstream. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like, I'm a, look. It's producer mindset. I'm thinking about optimizing a good time, right? You know, and right. that's that not an optimized. We don't want to do it here. And that's also you're doing like you're doing all your cocaine before you even make In it to your trip. destination. Come waste. on, bro. It's a waste. Yeah. Uh, so he's, you know, he's talking about this period of his life where kind of like the drugs are taking over and mm-hmm. it's and he's priorities like, what, are changing. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a te- He's a freshly graduated teenager. I do appreciate that. This is like an entire rock and roll memoir before he even joins the rock and roll yeah, band. Totally. Um, so he, he's describing kind of his mindset of this time where he continues to, you know, push the boundaries of life. Uh, and you know, being immature, not not quite like understanding the consequence of his actions or whatever. He specifically the anecdote that I wanted to share was that he was eating at a barbecue place in L.A. with Anthony Kiedis, and they're planning to dine and dash it's in Hollywood. And they they do it. They get up and they run, and it has recently rained. And they're on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which it is that that street is made of a different mater- yes. material. Like and some is, weird fucked up marble. Yeah. And it's it's wet with rain. And so they both slide and crack, fall on their backs and then crash into trash cans, which then fall over on them. And then they're being chased by the proprietors of the barbecue oh establishment. Oh and then they get up and start scrambling away. And then they watch as the barbecue employees also, also fall slip- down oh and God. also run in the oh trash cans. Real Three Stooges shit right here. Just like his life, yeah, his like life is a cartoon. Three Stooges. Anthony Kiedis's current hairdo looks like a Three Stooge. Yeah, it's it's like a an amal- amalgamation, and he's had this one forever. He's got like the weird like Caesar cut bangs, yeah. and the mustache. mustache. He kind of looks like like a a mo or something from the Three Stooges. You're right. Yeah, that's a- I just put it together that that's the thing that's always bothered me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Stooge, but he's and not in the Stooges. He's not Flea the is bald. He's curly. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're, the, they're the three. The they they have, they are the funky Stooges. They are the funky Stooges. Like literally the ba- like the Stooges, the, the, the band. Stooges, but funky. Yeah. <sighs> they are the funky Stooges. Damn. Uh, Man, that just, re- and, they, and their, li- their life is Stoogie. <laughs> they, they're like, they, 
they are joke people. It's so funny. Uh, and that's, I, I feel like you can, I, I can't wrap, my squ- my square ass can't wrap my mind around the idea of like dying and dashing. But when you dine and dash like that and you're, you, it turns into this like caper. You literally have, you're doing this stuff where like the whoop, 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 yeah. like sound effect is happening How in real life. How can you not think that like reality isn't real? You know what I mean? The concept, your concept of reality is just different. Yeah. The value of money is different. The value of time is different. The value of life is The value different. of life is different. Yeah. I simply don't understand because I had parents who paid attention to everything that I did. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating to you because they, they, it's like all, all of these stories only uh, like make sense and are funny and charming, like because they In became hindsight. the red hot chili peppers. Yeah. And because he seems to have become, I, I do think he's become a more like highly centered, evolved enlightened, yeah. human. Um, and so he said, like he he says at one point, you know, he's still got this mindset that's not not quite mm-hmm. mature. Which, to be fair, like he is basically an adolescent. He has a friend, uh, Jack Irons, and for his birthday, he gives him he poops in a Ziploc bag and then wraps it up really nice, like a beautiful present, and then uh, you know give, gives it to him, and everyone's like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> that's really funny, though. It is it is funny, but it is also you know like. It, it, yeah and he says it still comes up he he deeply apologized he's like i'm so sorry like that is just me thinking that something is funny when it's like really not and he says it still comes up 40 years later dude i'm so sorry about the birthday <laughs> he says i thought the love and caring in my heart would always shine through but it didn't oh, that's kind of sweet though i'm ju- i'm just a soul whose intentions are good. good but he says if punk rock means never having to say you're sorry in the long run that makes me no punk rocker he he literally he he apologizes to people in this book. There's at least like four or five apologias of like him addressing someone directly and being like, "I'm so sorry." I man. need to publish this apology. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. I I relate to that too. It's like if I've wronged someone, I carry that shit with me my entire yeah, life. Oops. Uh, all all the time he's doing this, he's still in this band with Hillel, and he says, "I played music. I dreamed of the romance of being in a band that had mystical powers to move people." Well, you got that dream. He he's got the dream. Uh, Penelope Spheris cast him in the movie Suburbia, which I have not seen. I've not seen. Is we that before her documentaries? It's after he he is aware of her as the person who did um, the documentary. It was hanging around with all the hardcore guys with a movie camera and yeah. like yeah. And um, he guys, I'm sure we have recommended this, but if you have not seen Penelope Spears's Decline of Western Civilization Part One and Part Two, Part Two is probably the more like cult movie one, but mm-hmm. Part One is the one that I highly recommend as just like a vibe report of what was going on in L.A. and the punk scene in the late '70s. Yeah, so fucking good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I love those movies. Um, so he's he's casting that, and you know, he goes from getting like a bit part to he starts kind of like acting out, you know, on set and like being more himself and being, you know, more looser and carefree. And he keeps getting more like lines and uh, screen time as a result. Being an actor, he he learns to become more of himself. Yeah. Um, He also has the opportunity to play in the band Fear. Oh, yeah. So um, the the Fear's bassist quits or is fired or whatever. uh, And he hears about it and then shows up to auditions. He says that when he shows when he shows up to the audition and the guitarist asks him if he has a rig, <laughs> Flea means thinks he means a shooting up rig, like a coach shooting <laughs> rig. Like starts it and what he actually means like, is like an amplifier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah, he's yeah. like, whoa, okay. Clearly I'm in a weird mindset. All right, well, okay, well, let me get on the drugs. And he's like, no, no, no. Can your bass make noise? Yeah, can I can your bass make noise right now? 
Uh, and so he, he's, he's chilling with leaving. Yeah, with leaving. Should we play a fear song just to sure. get some context? Uh, yes. Here's fear from Decline of Western Civilization Part 1. is such a pretty boy. I believe their basis during this performance is a, like, beef Scarface. <laughs> anyway, so this is, like, the milieu yeah. that, they, that he's, he's in. Yeah. By 1981, when he is 62, he's 19 in 1981. Yeah. So, like, obviously that's... Also, when he quit uh, Hillel's band, uh, Kiedis was like, this is great, man. So happy for you. And Hillel was like, this is a a career. This is bullshit. (laughs) Which, like, yeah, okay. Um, And, you know, meanwhile, like, at the Suburbia rap party, for example, there's a guy there who just, like, has meth in a syringe and just like group injects people. Oh god. Like he like gets like basically gets like in line, line up and just And like he said he says several times he's like I am so lucky I didn't get AIDS. Oh Jesus. Because he that that is exactly the kind of uh shit that would have gotten you AIDS. He, yes. He's he's just like I have uh angels watching over me because I was engaging in some behavior that was like beyond the pale. Yes. Um and <laughs> Suburbia party. I know. Yeah, crazy. Uh and of of like indulging in this, he says, uh, "It's a fool who is seduced by that which feels good. Nothing but a simple fool." <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like being seduced by that which feels good comes for all of us. Yeah, it's just how the how much to the most it, foolish. Yes, how, how much does it cost on the other end? Then, Tony Flo and the miraculously majestic Masters of Mayhem <laughs> was a confluence of things that could have only been the work of angels. Okay, so he basically. And, <laughs> So what a he, great sentence. He describes, you know, the formation of Red Hot Chili Peppers is like everything from like meeting his, meeting Anthony Kiedis, his own jazz background, um, his connection with Hillel, like uh, the mean streets of L.A., like all of these things, you know, getting experience and like working in an actual like professional band mm-hmm. in, in fear, all this stuff. And then the actual assembly of Red Hot Chili Peppers was their friend asked them to open for him at a club and they like wrote kind of wrote one song, which turned out to be out in L.A., uh-huh. uh, which we can listen to that in a yes. sec. Uh, and he said they didn't even really, like, rehearse. So they basically just got together. They had, like, one and a half songs and just got on stage, and he said, uh, we were unknowingly tapping a new vein of electric rock music. This was the first time I knew what it was like to touch hearts with music for real. So, like, he, he just said that that one performance was as much confirmation as he needed that like yes. what ended up being the red hot chili peppers was, was like, like it was meant to exist. it was it was simply the thing the real miracle of the red hot chili peppers is they kept going for a decade before, before they getting, had their yeah considering what like wild fuck-ups they were you know what it is oh, man. 
able to live in a city for cheap. Yes, it really is. And, and having some just resources. be in this band forever. He, sa- he shouts out, there's a thing called the Contemporary Artist Space of Hollywood, mm-hmm. Cash, that like he lived in for a while. That it was just kind of like a be bla- in, live and- in, practice space, club space, hangout space. It really is the places yes. that you can actually be in. If you can't pay fucking rent in a city, we you can't be an artist there. We need spaces for 21-year-olds to live in a basement for $50 a month. And that's how we make great rock bands. That's how you make great rock bands. Obviously, you're going to get a lot of fucking burnouts and losers and fucking drug addicts. But once every generation, you're going to get a fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you get people who can figure out what to do next with their life after they're maybe done with the punk rock phase. I will say that the first Red Hot Chili Peppers is kind of dog shit. Yeah. Uh, It's not a great album. Yeah. Uh, I like a few songs off of it. I like True Men Don't Kill Coyotes. I like uh, Police Helicopter. In fact, every time I see him in L.A. and look up and see a helicopter, the first thing I think of is the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, Police Helicopter. But here is Out in L.A. off the first Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Great. The Grandmaster Flash influence yes. in this like particular flow of hip hop is so obvious now. But listen to that. He, he, did he even talk about how get, he got good at bass? He's a fantastic. He just, I think he just liked it. I mean, that's the thing. I do think Flea is a mu- he's a musical genius. Yeah. He's like an intuitive musician. Yeah. Which I think he had to learn from Walter. Uh, this was produced by Andy Gill from Gang of Four. They had a very contentious relationship with him. Which also involved poop, right? Yes, yes, which also a scatological relationship. They pooped in a pizza box and left it on the control console. Uh, I love Andy Gill. I love fucking Gang of Four. Uh, the production of this is insanely bad. <laughs> yeah, It would I feel work like it for a... Gang of Four, but it just doesn't work like... It makes sense to pair the gang of four guys with this. He bangs the yang. It's fun. Uh, yes, look, it's. It's also very, um, uh, it reminds me of uh, Fresh Prince. Yes. I mean, considering where they, it's always I interesting. Was though. Yeah. Ooh, considering where they ooh. go, it's always interesting to, to revisit the early, early Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff because it's so goofy and weird. Slow down, boys. Yeah. Slow it down. You don't have to. Uh, but the, that's the amazing thing about them. They figure it out. They, they turn out. that into like, world-spanning hit pop songs. Yep. That's what's so fascinating about them. Yeah. Uh, Flea talks about some of his kind of later 70s influences. He's a big talking head. He loves talking heads. Mm -hmm. He likes Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, I love Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah, he said that was a um, big influence It's funny talking heads because uh, when Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott rebooted their uh, You Talking You Two to Me series, they were going to do what me and Nathan 
my first podcast idea yeah. that we were going to do a Red Hot Chili. We were going to do a You Talking You 2 to Me about Red Hot Chili Peppers, every Red Hot Chili Pepper album. They started doing that, and then they got so bored and irritated by them that they transitioned it after album two into a Talking Heads oh, yeah. uh, discussion podcast. You Talking Talking Heads to... Something like that, yeah. yeah. But it makes sense. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are about discovery, being true to yourselves, never feeling shame, following your gut. Like, it's it's... I don't know. It's it's. I know it's like corny to uh, and, uh, stand and for them. Angeles, which and is Los like Angeles, which is like a character. It's like a character. It's, it, it's the fifth member of the band. <laughs> it's like they're it's so, they're such a funny band. I I like. We're we're all a bunch of brothers living in a cool way, along with six million <laughs> others in this place called L.A. Is that a lot from that song? Yes, that's the fir- first and the last. L.A. is the place. That's my we're all a bunch of brothers living in a cool way. Along uh, with six million you know, others in this uh, place called L.A. And you know what? They are living in They cool are. LA. They probably all still live in L.A. I d- doubt any of them have moved away. Oh, I wonder where Flea lives. Well, I wonder what neighborhood he's chosen to live in. I hope he hasn't gone soft and moved to Malibu. 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 Do you have much more on these notes? Uh, I don't. Yeah, okay, <laughs> great. Well, I mean, I think we yeah, we're, we're, fly- we're flying in toward the end. I mean, but yeah, this is basically... The, the climax and the ending of this book is, is, the, they start is the, the formation of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And he's kind of reflecting at the end. He says, uh, when I tap the ever-giving ever joy, I'm the happiest man on this beautiful earth. In those fulfilling times, I pray that I may share it with all that I am able. I love you all so much, and I will never stop trying. And then he ends it with, don't miss Flea Volume 2. <laughs> is he going to do it? Yeah, I hope he does. I all hope right. he does. All right. Well, before we sign off, we have to listen to a few things. Okay. Uh, which is first Flea uh, National Anthem. Yes. Uh, this is Flea doing the National Anthem at a Lakers game, his beloved Lakers. <laughs> He's also wearing a Parliament shirt. Nice. Funny to play just bass. He starts with that harmonic. Yes. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. This rocks. It's such a funny thing to do, the national anthem. Like the national. Yes. Wow, that's low.
so sick. I will say, Flea, this the name of this YouTube video is Flea's National Anthem, but with crowd ambience and reverberation added. Okay. I so was going to say, I don't, I don't think the, uh, if I remember correctly when he did it, I don't think the crowd quite understood what was going on. Yes. Um, but it but is. They should have. That's, that is the that's correct. That's how I felt. That's how I felt as well. Yes. I'm hooting and hollering. They're not my favorite band. I don't think they're the best band, but I do have to put Red Hot Chili Peppers. They, they, they're in the pantheon of all time bands just because they are in that intersection of good, popular, longevity, St- still, still going. The Most of the original members, Yeah, that internal dynamic between Flea and Keeds, mm-hmm. like it's just they've tapped into something specific about popular music, American popular music, music around the world. It, it, it's just fucking impressive. I had, and I have to say, at least based on the show, uh, the, there's a lot of, there's more young people there than I even expected. There are, I think there's going to be a continuous flow as long as there are people who play yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers to their kids. There are, there's going to be at least for a little while longer a continuous flow of new Red Hot Chili Peppers fans. Also, everyone was pretty hot. I was like, everyone's like pretty good looking. Uh, so I guess Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers fans are good looking people. I see them as the next Rolling Stones in terms of being able to do this until they're like 80, 80 years old. Yeah. What was the, the thing that you resonated with the most live? Um, we'll give, uh, give it away. Yeah? Yeah. Great. The perfect encapsulation of Red Hot Chili Peppers is I believe Kiedis came up with these lyrics because he had a, like a Buddhist leaning girlfriend <laughs> who was constantly like giving him things due to the uh, Buddhist practice of like detachment. Yeah, yeah. Being like, oh, you like this jacket? You can have it. And that, that is a very like very specific personal story that then when you blow it up on a large scale, you're like, yeah, we should all be giving it away. Yeah. Um, can you describe the energy in the stadium when they started playing Get it, Give It Away? It was great. We were in we were in like a 300 section. And so like there were a lot of people who were like sitting, which I'm fine with. Obviously, if you buy a ticket to a concert with a seat. It's tough in stadiums. It's, yeah. yeah, whatever. But the people who were vibing were vibing. Uh, you know, I, I do think that some people buy a, a stadium ticket at a, a faraway distance to be able to like sit and enjoy rather than like, you know, drop it low and headbang and stuff. Yeah. But, Took care of it. Anything else you want to say about the Red Hot Chili Peppers? I, lo- I like them. Good great. Well, one of the top. And I love bands. Flea. I yeah. I, it, I totally vibe with Flea. Flea, uh, great guy. Uh, no no complaints. It just it's a, as he he didn't really say it as much in this book, but the interview that I watched of him just saying that once he stopped doing drugs and he drinking, started crying, he started feeling <laughs> things, and that it seems like he's now kind of found a balance of both, where he can still kind of like act like a maniac sometimes, but also have finally is maybe in touch with yeah his his higher self yeah inspirational I say 
they're fascinating. I love the fucking Chili Peppers. Yeah. I think I think it's a really interesting band. Uh, anyway, should we move confidently into the end part of this episode? We should. All right. We must. Well, then, this has been and introducing. Uh, do we want to do any plugs? Molly, do you have anything that you need to plug? Have you been doing videos for The Alternative? Have yes. you been blogging? Yes, I've been blogging. I've been making videos. I've been making videos for The Alternative. That's at get alternative, G-E-T-A-L-T-E-R-N-A-T-I-V-E. That sounds right. Wow, sure. that's the first time I've spelled it, but I think that's right. Get Alternative on all the socials and on YouTube. I've been interviewing some great bands. I will shout out specifically the New York band Ilithios, um, who I saw live at Our Wicked Lady recently. They rocked. They reminded me, uh, dare I say, <laughs> that now the uh, association is a bit tarnished, but they reminded me of early Arcade Fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in a good in a good way. Um, yes. Yeah, uh, in that sort of the sing-along, like indie indie rock. Hey, uh, we're, bringing, we're bringing the sing-along choruses back. Make, make a small room feel like a big room. Uh, I've been doing that shit. I've been blogging uh, at themollyzone.com. Great I blogs. Also, Great blogs at the Molly Zone. I have a uh, blah, 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 short story that's going. What? Yeah, so I haven't told you either. I'm publishing a short story with a uh, website that I love called Very Famous. I uh, hope it's not a, there's not a like thinly veiled version of myself in it. No, don't flatter yourself. <laughs> no, it's about, I, I'm actually, I pitched this as an indie sleaze short story. Right, right, it's right. about um, two sisters who get obsessed with a mashup DJ. Nice. Um, okay. well, that so sounds great. Keep an eye out for that. We're trying to get back in the fictional game. Those are my plugs. My plugs are over. What are your plugs? Oh, uh, Chapo is going on tour coming up. These tours dates are going to be good. I know that anybody listening to this is uh, this is for deep Chapo heads, but I, I just want to take this time to say that I'm booking the hell out of these shows. Yeah. These shows are going to be fucking events. It's yeah. not just going to be Chapo. We're going to have some live music there from great bands uh, that I don't know if I can like officially announce. But uh, 95 Bulls, who we're big friends with here, who are amazing love punk them. rock band. We love them. Donzi, a uh, great band from Miami that Molly and I saw open for fucking New Order. Yeah. Who are opening for us. Um, they know, ate a, when we the when we saw them open for New Order, they did like a stage setup where they ate like a spaghetti mi- dinner. They like set up a spaghetti dinner as they were playing and then like destroyed it on stage yeah. as they were playing. And cool. then... Um, uh, a, a, a LA band that is very cool that I'm not supposed to announce so far, but um, um, that that <laughs> rhymes with Hell Bay Bitch. Okay, uh, yeah. is going to be playing that show. We're hopefully going to have celebrity guests there. We're going to have a certain rotund Greek stand-up open for us at New York and LA. We are going to have uh, Charles from E1 Episode One's band open for us. In Chicago, these shows are gonna be fucking amazing. Are they gonna play um, the Twinkle Twinkle song? No, they're playing. He's playing his legit rock stuff. That's fine. That sounds good. Hi, it's Molly from the Edit. Uh, here's where I'm gonna hop in and do a plug for something that isn't Chris, neither Chris nor my shit. But you absolutely need to hear. If you've made it this far, you there, it's a hundred ten percent guarantee that you would like this podcast. But the Twinkle Twinkle song I'm referring to is from the podcast Pretty Dim Wonder which is a, like a fictional podcast about music and stuff. I, it's hard to describe, but just you have to completely trust me that if you've listened like an hour and a half into this podcast that you're going to like Pretty Dim Wonder. Um, but here's a little peek, uh, but find it wherever podcasts are found. Okay, bye. Here on Spaceship, the party's getting started.
Bacardi's flowing and no one's getting carded. We're conga dancing, it's downright bacchanalian. And did we mention we're chilling with an alien? Little star twinkling so bright, we will fly to you tonight. I got Bacardi space berry in my cup. It's time to party and go so nuts. So that's one of the things I'm working on, and I'm also doing 30 Years of War podcast with Matt. That's going to be coming out eventually, and then you know, Chapo keeps going, and then we're doing Infinite Cast over the Infinite Cast feed. We are if you're doing still Infinite a fan Cast. of lo- listening to us read Infinite Jest to each other. We're almost uh, we're on page like seven, like, like fifty or something. Three quarters, three quarters of the way, way through yeah. of uh, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. If you haven't gotten into that, that's what we've been doing over there. We've had some funny crossovers where some people are now finding that as an Infinite Jest podcast and they don't know anything about and uh, introducing. So if you're here from Infinite Cast, welcome. This is what this show is about. And I refuse to make a, a link tree to connect all of these dots. If you know, you know. If, and you, if know, you don't, you know. If you don't, you you won't. We'll try to do this slightly more frequently than every other month, but also the next few months are going to be pretty crowded 2022 is a it's been a rebuilding year it's a rebuilding uh, year yes, a lot, yes, yes. lot of rescheduled things we really left it all on the floor with the uh the our band could be your life miniseries and we're still like figuring out what yeah. the show is going forward but we're having we're having fun with it and we're not we're not doing anything that we don't care about yes exactly what is our email address and introducing pod at gmail.com and and introducing pod, pod at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, yep. Or you can find us at Twitter at and intro pod. Or our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, as always, you can just tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell a friend that you listen to a good podcast about music, uh, that there are a bunch of episodes about it, uh, that they're a lot of fun, all of them. They only get better as time g- goes on. I met a friend of a friend last night and she it was revealed that I did a podcast and then she let me hold her phone and then I just subscribed to the podcast. On That's a great phone. way. That's a great way. So for, what we're saying is forcibly take somebody's phone and subscribe to them and then they'll get the notification. And be yeah, like, exactly. What's that? What is that? Like, and then maybe they'll listen to it. All right. Great. Music. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Until next time. Uh, you've been listening to and intro music. Music.